it was a game that came with a lot of promise, a lot of expectation, and boy, did it deliver. An absolute Premier League classic, and one that we're going to be talking about a lot today. We're back with another episode of One Kick from Glory. I'm joined, as always, by Craig. Yeah. And Matthew. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm talking about the legendary game, the fixture that has defined many a season, not necessarily the last few seasons, Liverpool versus Arsenal, a game that has had so much drama, excitement, French flair, no fights, and uh, Jamie Carragher getting embarrassed on more than a few occasions. I think he just likes to be left on his ass against <laughs> Arsenal. But for you, Craig, what's your earliest memory of the Arsenal versus Liverpool um, battles or the rivalry that is, exists there? I think I think it was 97, 98 season um, when Arsenal played uh, Liverpool twice, uh, once at Highbury, once at Anfield. And the game at Highbury, I didn't have Sky at the time, but I was listening to it on the radio and I remember when McManaman scored that volley, oh, yeah. that volley from far right, and it was right in the top corner. I was like, wow. I remember, I remember that season, like, it was... It was it was a good rivalry because Liverpool had some great players in England international. They had a young Michael Owen coming through. Mm. You had Robbie Fowler. You had um, what's his name, Jamie Redknapp. Paul Lynch played for Liverpool at that time as well. So Liverpool had a good team. That David James in, I think David James was in goal. They had um, I think it was Rob Jones. Who else did they have? They had a decent they had a decent team, but they didn't, they didn't really win as much in the nineties as. Only two thousand started winning stuff, but in the nineties had a decent team, but they couldn't have, they just couldn't challenge United. Every season they were in the title race, toward the end of the season they always fall off, and then United would always win the league. So, yeah. but Liverpool Liverpool had a had a good team in the nineties, but they didn't have the great managers to replicate the talent they had in their squad. Yeah. But it was a good rivalry back in the day. And for you, Matthew, what would you say is one of your earliest um, kind of memories of like the Arsenal Liverpool rivalry? I'm going to go a little bit further forward from where Craig is to the 90s. Um, I kind of picked up on a little bit, most because like the time Sky was lacking at the household at the time, the moment, at, what the, at then. I'm going to go with when, when Gerard Houllier stepped into the helm. So mm. we're talking late 90s. I might be wrong, but definitely say like the early 2000s. There was a game and you were playing in your Sega kit. And even as a Chelsea fan, I do like that kit. But I do remember you losing that game because I think you won. I think you won the Premier League that time. I'm not entirely sure. And then they came, Mark and Owen came by and kind of like, hit you hard in that final. I think it was a 2-1. It was like a 2-1. So I'm sorry to say, but that's all Yellow, Yellow and black kit. I did ask if you're listening, like, Bring it back. It was a nice kit. It was a nice kit. Um, Because I think you can't, like, the Arsenal-Liverpool, it's not like an Arsenal-Man U. It's not like a Liverpool-Everton. It's not even like an um, Arsenal-Spurs or even an Arsenal-Chelsea. The Arsenal-Liverpool one is a very kind of unique rivalry because they kind of met in the middle with their styles. You're bringing them the futuristic flair, you know, changing diets, international markets. You're all about the kind of like, you know, cosmopolitan style of football. Whereas Liverpool were coming off at the time, 10 years of winning the league, promising to win the league year after year after year. But it's not, kind of like they were focusing more on their domestic market and still doing really well there. Like just being a good family club, playing good football. If there's one thing you can always say about Liverpool and the Anfield atmosphere is that the football is always going to, going to be like really, really good. Also at the time, when you look at your, your, your players, you have two rising stars coming from like, you know, coming from like almost obscurity, one from, you know, coming from Juve's as a raw youngster. You have one coming from their ranks. I'm talking about Steven Gerrard and Thierry Henry. Both rank, both rising different ways, different styles, but both definitely like 
if you're going to do your all-time Premier League teams, sub, starter, whatever, both of those players, I would say nine times, nine times out of ten, will be in those lists. So, you know, and obviously Wenger stood the time, they went through managers like Julier, and obviously went through with Rafa Benitez, Kenny Dalglish, Brendan Rodgers, coming all the way up forward, far forward now um, to Klopp. So many people, know a lot of Liverpool fans look at Klopp in a certain type of way. So, yeah, your rivalry is kind of unique, but it's only kind of, if anything, has risen time and time and time again because it almost feels like because Arsenal were just so far ahead that gap is now closed where Liverpool are coming up and to where you are now it's like it's mm. it's almost like it's reading some kind of epic thing because for the last few years Liverpool had the number until now mm. so it's a, it's a unique rivalry very very unique rivalry obviously both being red and also yeah yeah it's definitely one I think for me my earliest memory probably is going to be I mean, the season where it really kind of stood up to me was definitely the 03-04 season. Mm. I, I vaguely remember the 2000-2001, um, that, that particular match, but it didn't really kind of hit me. It's 03-04, that's when it really hit, hit me, and especially one of my favourite ever goals scored by an Arsenal player in the Premier League is um, we beat them at Anfield 2-1. Lovely stuff. Just, you know, <laughs> ball was, I think it was a long ball played out, chased down by Ali Adier towards the left, uh, right corner flag, but left if you're attacking, right if you're defending. Picks it up in the corner, um, dribbles it back towards the edge of the box, pops it into Perez, who does a one two with Edu, gets it back, shuffles inside. There's a little shake and bake, <laughs> and then just curls it. And Jersey Dudek is just praying. Got ain't listening. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful goal and then the celebrations afterwards I just loved it because I think that that goal in the match at the time with the, obviously how that season ended but that was quite a pivotal game for us in terms of uh, being able to kind of go on to not just win the title but be invincible and obviously in the return leg we all know Liverpool went 1-0 up or 2-0 up 2-0 up Highbury and Thierry Henry went in the dressing room and said nah I ain't having this and literally went on and scored one of the best goals Highbury's ever seen. One of, I mean, he's got a catalogue of goals from Highbury, but one of the best ones. Left Carragher on his ass, not for the first time in his career, but left him there and, you know, slotted it in nicely past Dudek. And just the roar of Highbury. Again, it's one of those moments that you think the Emirates has, and I think for a long time, been sort of in need of something more than just like trophies, that moment. And we've had good moments in the Emirates Stadium, but I think that moment at Highbury, the roar, I think this season we've come close to it. I think Reese Nelson's goal probably replicates yeah, the roar that, yeah. that Omri got that day. But let's let's switch obviously to the game we had at the weekend. A lot riding on it, a lot of expectations. Obviously, this was a finally the, a time to really kind of get back at Liverpool uh, and and end this this long running inability to win at Anfield. The last time we won, Arteta was a player, beat them in 2012. Gives the 2 0, Santi Cazola and Abu Diaby had a man the match performance. Absolutely sensational game from him. He Podolsky, looked, Podolsky and Podolsky Cazola, Cazola got the goals, yeah. but Diaby in midfield in the engine room was just unplayable. Unplayable. He left Gerald on his bum a few times. <laughs> but uh, for you, Craig, when you, when you saw the lineup that was announced for the, for the weekend, obviously we went with our as strong an 11 as we could go. Not quite our strongest because we were missing um, William Saliba. But how did you feel about that team going into the game? It was a strong team. 
Mm. Very strong team. I was a bit surprised that um, Trossard got dropped, but then I realised that he could use him as an impact sub. Mm. And um, it was a strong, strong, strong lineup. As I said to you in the house, I was very nervous going into the game. because I know that we, we were doing one in the league, yeah, but I was worried about the Anfield. Because Anfield's a place here where it doesn't matter. It's like, it's like, a, love, it's like, a, rival, like, a, like a derby game because... You never in a derby game. Anyone can win a derby game. It doesn't matter how how good your form is. Anyone can win a derby game. So, in that game, I felt that I was a bit worried because that's like oh Liverpool at home. They got that crowd, the Anfield crowd. When that crowd is when that crowd gets get fired up, they push that team. They're, they're like the twelfth man. They push that team to the end. And then we went two 0 up. I said yes, we're doing well. And then we had one moment of madness that cost us, like Granite Jacker. Had an altercation with um, Trent Alexander-Arnold. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Okay. I want to. I want to. I want to dissect this properly. Okay, we'll okay. get into that. But um, but yeah, you, you were kind of again Trossard not starting. You were a bit a bit surprised. Maybe yeah. thought he could have probably got the start. Um, for you, Matthew, when you saw the two teams lined up, obviously Liverpool, the eleven that they went with, did, were you a bit surprised by what they what they did? Obviously, from the previous game, we know that um, Klopp had dropped some players or rested them. Mm. Some were dropped. He wouldn't confirm who was dropped, but they went for what I would classify as their strongest back five: Allison, and then Trent, Robertson, Canate, Van Dijk. Midfield three, definitely not their strongest, but probably the best they could have fitness-wise. So Fabinho, Henderson, and Curtis Jones in their front three. Again, not their strongest front three, but the one they, what they wanted to start with, which is Salah, Gakpo, and Jota. What was your thoughts when you saw that eleven? This is what I was thinking. Where you know, obviously, in the position you're in, you're clearly better than us at the moment. So clearly, it matches the expectation. Whereas, like, he's clearly clear. He's, he was clearly saving his best team to play at that game because I think they we they we played on the I think it was a Tuesday or the Wednesday to come forward to a Sunday. Now I know that's a good gap in between, but playing a high profile game midweek does take it out of you sometimes. It's you're more you're more inclined psychologically to play these games on the weekend, but playing a game like that, a Chelsea Liverpool game. You know, whatever, whatever the table says, still a very high-profile game. To play that in the week is quite strange. So I do get him playing a slightly weakened team, which makes it worse because we didn't beat them. Um, so when I saw this team coming through to uh, Arsenal, I was like, hmm, he's, he wants something from this. Whether he thought he could get a win and rely on the crowd and rely on Anfield and the home form to back them up, I don't know. But he clearly wanted something because he, he realised that you're coming in some good form. We all know what you're fighting for. You jinx it. I'm not going to jinx it because it's very likely to happen, but you never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I saw this was going to be a fun game and I saw your lineup as well, bar, you know, Saliba withholding in his, that hair that I can't explain. Um, really can't explain. He he, he he rocks it though. It waves around so nicely. Um, it does. I saw him. I mean, I saw the the for the especially when they concede the penalty. But yeah, plus the hair looking good though. Um, yeah, it was just, just I wasn't surprised at all. Um, it just made me angry the fact that that's the team that we could have played that didn't, and the team we could play minus Virgil Van Dyke didn't win. So yeah, it was you know we always go play the strongest team. Yeah, I think it's also interesting that. You know, the players that sat on the bench, so Nunes on the bench, Firmino, and we'll get on to Firmino a bit later, but Firmino has always been the, the scourge of Arsenal. And I'm so glad that you're finally leaving the Premier League. Um, you have been a great testament to this league, but good riddance. <laughs> Don't come back. <laughs> All the best in your career. And if you play Arsenal again, you don't have to score. It's not an obligation. You really don't have to score. Just saying, sick of it. So he reminds me of Drogba, you know, in, in that, that player that just no matter what, you just know they're going to get something. Mm. But yeah, 
So then I, I went back and rewatched the game actually yesterday, and I was quite taken aback by watching it without the emotion of seeing it live. Because when it's live, it's kind of really hard to sort of analyze things as you're watching. Because you're not really watching to analyze, you're just watching to kind of get the result. And and um, what was quite interesting for me is that when you look at the first sort of the first five six minutes, obviously Arsenal scored in the seventh minute mm -hmm. to make it one 0 but the first five six minutes, it was not as one sided as people the general sentiment, and maybe even how I felt at the time, I felt that Arsenal were dominating the game. But watching it back, actually it was a lot more balanced. And in fact, Liverpool had a number of good opportunities to make something happen. But for, you know, good bit of defensive play or very poor finishing, I think we, we, we looked quite good in, in, that, in that whole thing. But um, for you, Craig, looking at that first goal, talk, just, let's just go through that goal. Because for me, it's, it's been a feature of the, the three key players involved in the goal, Ben White, Bukayo Saka, and of course, Gabby Martinelli. Also, we'll talk about Virgil after. Um, but for you, know, for you, Craig, when you look at that goal, like, how did you, like, just talk me through the goal. <laughs> I'm just gassed. That goal was beautiful. Like, first, thing, first things first, you know, Ben White and obviously Saka, they have this amazing chemistry mm. on the right-hand side, and it's been developing over the season. And I just like the way how Saka left Robertson on his backside um, before kind of playing the ball through. But just for you, when you look at the fluidity of the goal, what was like your thoughts watching it live? One at the back, Ben White played it to Saka. Saka tried to play it into um, Martinelli, but it got intercepted by Van Dijk. And then Martinelli just bulldozed, not even walked. He just went bulldozed straight through the defence. And then the keeper came out, just teleported under the goalkeeper was a goal. Three errors at the back. But the way how we, the way one thing I like about Arsenal playing now, we can if we it from 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 our goal kick we can counter attack very quickly. So if we if the other opposition is attacking us and they lose the ball in a dangerous area, we can counter attack and go and on their goal very quickly, transition very quickly. So it's like you can go from A to B in like two seconds, like a fast train. Boom. So by the time you blink, back at the net goal. And yet, and you have to give Arteta credit for that. For that, that's all, all done in training. That's not done. That's all in training. They do their positional play, little small sided games in training. We go. I went to get from one end of the pitch to the other end of the pitch in certain and how many seconds to so time it. I went to get from there to there in no second. I need to do this, get there, and then whistle it, and then do it. For the, they must do that a lot in training. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it's also reminiscent of the goal that wasn't given at Old Trafford. Yeah. It's a similar type of run from Martinelli from, to go from out to in and to be so central. And obviously, Jesus was wide on the wing to kind of cover for him in that sense. For you, uh, Matthew, looking at that goal again, again, Van Dyke, bless it, bless his cotton socks, all over the place, all over the shop. Like, and we, we have this, there's this joke online about Van Dyke defending with aura because ever since he's got this injury, he kind of backs off a lot more than he used to. Mm. But how do you look at his role in that first goal? We talk, I think I saw the message in our chat you said about it, you know, like Virgil van Dijk, more like Virgil van Dam. That had me on the absolute floor, I must say. So funny. I was not ready for that. But I'm going to reference something because I think this reminds me of another goal that you scored against us a couple of years ago. And so it kind of reminds me and it kind of shows me the kind of player that he is. He leaves no scraps. Remember your goal when Kante did that slip? Oh, I can't He was the it. only... I, I, it's, every time on social media, it just seems to come up because that was his first goal in the Premier League, wasn't it? It's not that it just seems to come up, my friend. How? Arsenal Twitter, we recycled that thing for, for day, for Arsenal fun. Arsenal Twitter, got nothing better to show. God, bloody hell. <laughs> but, but yeah. Hey, we have a great... <laughs> We, we have a catalogue, but that one is special. And he just keeps on. And that's the thing that I notice is that he just, he leaves nothing, he, he leaves nothing, no scraps. 
I watch I, this guy watches food when he eats his breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There's not a crumb left. You know what? I'm going to go another one. On the Saturday before the game, and I was late at night for some reason, and I was watching Age of Ultron, and their mission was to kill all the robots, leave no scraps. Now, if the Avengers had Martinelli, this would have been done in two minutes. All the robots, dead, 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 dead. This guy leaves, and you know, I like what I like about him was what we used to have. He leaves no scraps. Something is going to happen. All the bone, all the, the gravy, the beans, the ting, all the Brazilian, all his food, eating all of it. He's leaving nothing on the plate. And he knows something's going to happen. He could have gone to, um, it could have gone to thing. It could have been an own goal, but he wants to be there because you know what? It could fall to me. Van, Van Dyke does, or Van Damme does a lovely assist. Boom, back of the goal. You just don't know. Feed on to it. The same thing that happened against Chelsea, the same thing that happened against United is the exact same thing named, exact same thing that happened here. And that's how you bump your goals up from sheer, sheer chance. Because another day it might not go in, but that time it did. Mm. And you look back at chances like that, and be like, this is what helps us get up the table to do, do the big one. That's what you do. Because if your strikers don't do it, your attacking wingers do. So that's what's... Um, it's not so much about the terrible defending from Liverpool, but just the sheer, just never give up attitude of, of Martinelli just making that run. So, you know, credit goes to him. Just like, it might be something he learns on the pitch. But it's also just something as simple as just not leaving any scraps go to waste. That's true. And of course, we fast forward from that goal onto the second goal. And Gabriel Jesus, I think, in this match, he and there was a lot of talk online pre-game that maybe we should start Trossard or you know rest him because we're not quite sure how how much he's going to be able to play his usual game in this match. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, am I glad the manager doesn't use Twitter? He has a Twitter <laughs> account, but it's just sitting there. But Jesus in oh, that goal. Everything about it. Martinelli again involved. Great little pick out to the back post. And then and then again, it gets free from Virgil van Damn. <laughs> free header. And he, but it's just again with Jesus, he's one of the smallest guys on the pitch. Yeah. But he's got an incredible leap. But not only that, it's the precision in the cross. Because mm. Martinelli put that on his head. And 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 and, and again, I want to we'll, we'll we'll talk about the precision a bit later because he kind of fluffed his lines at the end of the game, but. What a performance from, from both of them. You know, I remember there was even a, a moment in the second half when Jesus caught the ball down the sideline and he just shuffled, he just, he just skipped past players. It was like watching Thierry Henry. I didn't know he had that in him. I mean, I, I think with Gabriel Jesus this season, it just surprises me the levels that he's got to him because I did not know he could do the stuff he's doing. Like I knew he was good. I didn't know he was this good. I didn't mm. expect half the stuff he's been doing for us this year. But for you, Craig, how impressed are you with Gabriel Jesus in the game? He was excellent. It was top class. That's what Arsenal Arsenal got bargain on the season when we bought him. How much did you pay for him? 40, 40, 30, was it 45? About that. Around that. 45 yeah. million. And you got and you got players who are going for more than what he was got for more than his value. And you're looking like you're thinking, he's been out injured for how many months? Three months, almost four months. Come back, scored two goals in three games. And his level of goal on goals of Darwin Nunez. And how much <laughs> did Darwin Nunez cost again? A bit more. A lot same. more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, I think Jesus is like he 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 brings he brings that winning mentality to Arsenal that Arsenal have lacked for a long time since Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp, that era of when Arsenal were winning big trophies. I think he brought that winning mentality, and I feel that what he did on Saturday on Sunday was amazing, and the way how him and Martinelli link up together, dangerous. Even Saka as well. Saka linked up all for that front three. The way how they link up together, get goals and assists. 
they're always looking for they're always looking for each other to score. They're not they're not being selfish, they're not being greedy. If they've ever missed a chance, they're not moaning or complaining. We've got we've got a great team spirit this season at the club and I feel that hopefully, yeah, mm. they carry on. Yeah, it's been great. And obviously, you mentioned earlier about the flashpoint between Granit Xhaka and, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Like I said, I rewatched the match. And to be honest, that moment doesn't really... It's not the factor that caused what happens afterwards, the, the goal to make it 2-1. Um, but people talk about it, so we're going to talk about it. Um, I still think Trent should have gotten sent off because he does punch in the back of his head. But that's that's my personal opinion, if you don't agree with it. And we don't have Marcus here to debate that one, unfortunately. But um, we'll, we'll talk about it next week on next week's podcast. <laughs> but for you, Matthew, when you saw that little flashpoint, and, it, and I, get, I guess a good key thing to say, which is the point, I guess you were talking about that, Craig, when you mentioned it earlier, is that we know how important it is. You know, playing at Anfield is tough. You've mentioned mm-hmm. all the games in history when we've played there. It's, it's an intimidating ground. And in fact, I wanted to just be sure about it of all the games Liverpool played in all competitions this season, they've only lost three games at home. Wow. Three teams have beat them. Real they've only Madrid. lost once in the league at home against Leeds yeah. early in the season. They've lost to Real Madrid and Lyon. Wow. That's it. When did they play Lyon? Uh, Lyon was in chat. Uh, no, Lyon was a friendly. Wow. So they've only lost two games at home all season. That's amazing. So when you think about it, Liverpool having a bad year, but yet they've only lost one domestically in the league at home and one in Europe. Against the champions of Europe. They draw anyway. a lot. They're getting a lot. They just, it's a lot. draw that's killing them. Not they draw a lot, but it's their waveform that's the problem. Yeah. So I think that's quite telling. But yeah, <sighs> Granite Jacker versus Trent Alexander. But yeah, keeping the crowd quiet. Like, do you, Obviously, that moment, again, I don't really think on the rewatch it, it did have that big of an impact on what followed like a minute after. But... How naive was Shaka to fall for the bait with Trent? Because it wasn't just Trent. He had a clash with Kanate, literally seconds before, because Kanate had a tackle with him. Kanate had a little dig in the tackle. And Shaka, you could see, he was a bit riled up from that. And then he went into Trent, got the, you know, got the throw, or gave away the throw, and then Trent had the little afters. But how naive do you think he was in that moment? I think this is a side, you know, of him that, uh, you know, despite the fact that he's having a good year, you know, playing alongside much better players that can bring out the best of him. That side of him, that temper side of him, is never going to fully ever go away. And even though as bad as a year Trent is having, he's still going to have a moment where he's like, I'm going to find that weak spot in the team and I'm going to pick at it. And, you know, he is the the, the target because he's prone to rashness. He's prone to making silly silly decisions and getting himself sent is getting himself an awful, getting himself in an entanglement where, you know, it's not in his favour like at Anfield. If it was at the Emirates, it might have been a little bit different because Anfield is a bar, um, say, Old Trafford, is where referees have a really tough time. Because if they go and never know, if they go against that home crowd, they're going to realise it for not even weeks, potentially years. Um, so he, he, I think, you know, again, yeah, despite having his not, it's just his, colossal drop in form from the player that he we know he can be you know he still has that in his locker to wind up wind himself up he's he's got the tricks to be a forward player i still think it's a position for him to be a forward player in the future for trent alexander arnold um but now he um um in in hindsight like you said the game was a bit more balanced i don't think it led directly to why you didn't win the game but he might not think so but yeah he's just gonna be 
got to be careful, mate. You've got, you've got to be, you, you are the target in for most teams because you have that, you have that mad dog temper in you. And then I know, please don't listen to this because he'll come for me. But yeah, he was, he's, he got away with it. Let's just say he got away with that one. He got away with it. Yeah, I agree. It was a bit of a, a tough decision. I mean, I think on the, on the balance, I think both of them should have been. I think Trent was definitely fired up. And like I said, he, he swung his arm at him, caught him on the back. I don't know how it was the yellow card for both of them. Let's be real. Granite's knocking. Let's be real. Granite will knock him out. Yeah, but Trent Trent's the one who started it. Trent punched him or swiped at him with his, you know, swiped at him. Let me not say punched him because I don't know. He didn't punch him. He's he a swiped f- at him. He's with a football his arm. hard man, though, Jacques. Yeah. Though. In the modern days, you could call him a football hard man. I wouldn't start a fight with Shaka, you yeah. mad. <laughs> you know, but I think it was it was interesting how that how that all played out. And obviously they got their goal. And for me it was it was interesting how that goal came about because on second view, on first viewing, I was just like looking, thinking, what on earth is going on? It's too easy for Liverpool to get through the team. Mm. On second viewing, it's even worse. Because <laughs> what I've what I've learned since from looking at a couple of other games is that we have a sort of tactic in how we defend or how the line is done when we're defending to accommodate Shinchenko's attacking um, flair and what he does for us. Um, and what we do is when we're, when we're defending in, in transition, Gabriel Magalhaes will drift out to left-back spot. Shinchenko will then drift back and hold the centre before they swap out. And then the other two players, so then the other centre-back who's holding on this occasion, and then Ben White will be across as the fort. That's usually how we do it, and it works most times because Partey will be in front. Problem on this goal is the whole, all of them are all over the shop. So Ben White tries to pinch the ball in midfield, loses out in the duel. As a result, Holding starts to come over to right back. Partey's running back. This is when Curtis Jones is on the ball. Mm. Hasn't quite come to Robertson yet. Partey's telling Holding to stay in the centre. I'll go out to right back. Holding's drifted over already. So now you have Holding at right back. So Partey has to go centre back. So Partey's at right centre back. As a result, like I said, how we stretch the defence, Sinchenko is next to Partey and Gabriel is at left back. Then you have a little, so then the ball settles the edge of the box. Partey's kind of, uh, Holding's got him, Partey's close by. Again, if they'd switched around, it'd be better. Um, and then Curtis Jones is a little, Robertson plays it into Jones and gets it back on the overlap and he's free. Mm-hmm. The days, he has the, the freedom of Merseyside, pulls the ball across. And because everyone's out of position in the middle, they don't anticipate what's going on behind us. So There's a little deflection. I think it was Jota had a swing yeah. at it. So, which meant that... Uh, Salah was on marks, wasn't it? Yeah, which meant that it kind of flicked past Sinchenko and Gabriel was not aware that Salah's behind him. Because again, they should have swapped him and Sinchenko. Should have, and they had enough time to swap back around. Mm. They didn't. And then Salah gets a nice little tidy finish at the back post. It's scrappy, but it's the kind of goal that quality teams make. And then after that, then... The game kind of still was a bit balanced. It wasn't really all Liverpool. It was we still had good attacks. They had good attacks, and then of course the equaliser came way later on. But for you, Craig, because obviously you know we, we made a substitution prior to that. We we brought on um, uh, young Kivior for uh, Erdegaard at that point in time. What did you think about that substitution? And do you think at that point should we, since we were going to a back five? Should we have just brought on Tierney rather than wait? I was saying, remember I was saying to you in the house that we should, we should bring on Tierney now. Yeah. For the for the for the twenty minutes before the goal, I was saying bring on Tierney now because Zenchenko looks tired. He looks tired. Take him off. What happens? Zenchenko gets nutmegged. 
Trent nutmegs him, does him dirty. And what happens? Cross the ball and who scores? Firmino. But again, even I was saying, I was saying yeah. to Clive, take off. I could see he looked tired. He looked, he looked fatigued. Take him off. Take off. Uh, bring on Tierney. Tierney's got, and Tierney would have stopped that goal as well. There's no way Tierney would have got nutmeg by um, Tierney's Trent. not getting nutmeg. And even if Tierney did get nutmeg. He would have smashed him. The, ball, the ball's going, but yeah. you're not coming with the ball. Yeah. <laughs> like, he would have found a way to stop him. He would have been like, boop. Where are you going? Boop. Oh. You just ran into me. Yeah, I think, I think we've got Take two good left backs at Arsenal, but I feel like if Tierney and if you had, if you had to, to make one player out of it to be a great player, you would need Tierney's defending over Shevchenko's defending because Shevchenko's better offensively, what Tierney's better defending. So you would rather have a player like who can be you can do both, you can go forward and back. Some games, if we're winning and we have to shut up shop, you can, you can either sacrifice a Martinelli and, or sacrifice an attacking player and put, and put Tierney and Shevchenko in I'll put Shevchenko in midfield I'll put well, Tierney left back we have, we, have, we have done it this season where we've played Tierney left wing and had Zinchenko left back yeah we've done it this season and mm. multiple games this season and he won didn't and you? we've won yeah multiple games this season we've done it why didn't you I, I, feel, I feel like Arteta was a bit naive with the, the changes it took too long to make changes I think because I think this season because of the game at United when he made three changes and we lost we got lost 3-1 I think he's been very cautious to make change. But sometimes in matches, like, you as fans, us as fans can see on the pitch, even neutral fans can see on the pitch, like, your players are tired. And, and Liverpool does keep on counter-attacking, counter-attacking yeah. us. And I feel like if we make a change to kind of break up their play, maybe we would have won that game. But also, you made a really good point live. And you were saying that we need to get some control on the pitch. You were calling for Jorginho. I said to you, look, this game ain't for him because he'll get out of run. <laughs> Running <laughs> past him, like, no his business. But at the same time, looking at how that goal was, was conceded, and it's really strange because Kivior, you would have thought, he's played holding midfield before. We could have gone to a back, we could have gone to a two in, in, in front and had him and party next to each other and just, just protect the black, back line. But we went uh, a bit more, into the, we went to the, the back five protocol Unfortunately, we don't have Rob Holding coming off the bench, so it didn't quite work out. And and I'll, I even said at the time, like it just felt a bit too premature. Mm. When you when you make that sub with twelve to fifteen minutes left in the game, it signals to the opposition you are okay. This is open season. Yeah. And in fact, I was I was listening to a um, a podcast about it, and, and they were referring to Sir Alex Ferguson, and he used to say he used to love it in games when the manager would bring on extra defender. Because he was like, well, that's just telling me what to do. Yeah, You're afraid of me and I'm going to just push on and keep attacking. And Liverpool did do that. And, and our nemesis, as you said, struck again at the back post. Um, but I want to give some time just to kind of highlight Firmino. Because him and Nunes came on, the, came on off the bench and they changed the game. Absolutely changed the game. Like They were just giving us so much extra problems to deal with. How big of a loss will it be when Firmino leaves at the end of the season? How important is it going to be for Liverpool to get a player in who can do what he did in even if it's in sparing moments Matthew it's going to be difficult because players like him are becoming rarer and rarer as the time goes along the kind of that's stuck along for a long time and at the time they were like part of like you know the, the deadliest front three of the Premier League and over time you know things change football moves on expectations grow and he's like he's not part of the plans that they see in the future I mean he's not exactly a worthless player. He's not even that old. But, you know, if you see Mane's gone, you know, Salah's, Salah's position is way more difficult to negotiate because he's just that much more dependable in the games against United and the Liverpool and the, your game proved, proved, like, proved my point. Um, well, he is, 
He's he's always felt like I don't know, like not, not I'm not gonna say the third wheel, but he's who you remember more of Mane, Salah, or Firmino. But Firmino is he's a committed player. He loves playing on the pitch. He's always so smiley and happy, and he's he respects his spot in the squad. He understand he's much more understanding of the fact that you're not going to be a hundred. You know, you're not going to start every game, but you're going to come on and you're going to do your thing. And something will happen. He's a he's it's almost like someone he's almost like an Origi in a way, where it's like you will come on in the moment when I need you, and that is the exact same moment that he needed because he likes scoring against Arsenal. He always knew something will happen. So he's almost it's almost like he, he came in with um you could, you could also look at that way where he took on one come with someone like Nunes, where it's like this is what is expected when in situations like this. Because you will be in situations like this when you go play a better team, but the game's balanced, but you need to come up with something. You need to you need to pull out something a little bit special and jump by a little bit higher than everyone else, and I'll show you what needs to be done when I eventually leave this club. I'm leaving it in the hands of you because clearly they believe that you can do it. It's been a difficult year in your first year, but I believe that you will come good. So maybe them coming on is him learning on from someone that's been in the club for a long time. But that's the idea, I think. They've, they see Nunes being there for a long time. You know, with the money they paid from the contract that he has. So these are the boots he has to fill. So his numbers, okay, maybe don't live up. But look at the moments he's provided. Yeah. Look at the, look, this is where numbers, I'm just looking at the stats, really doesn't really takes away from the commitment he's had at Liverpool look at the moments he's provided the important moments getting into the Premier League getting to the Champions League I guarantee we look back at games where he has scored an important goal and it was because of him absolutely because of him so they're going to miss someone like that where they know they over time they've realized their place but they know that they're still integral to the squad so he's going to be he'll be missed he and I can't even think of someone that they could buy in or tell in the squad but that's what they're going to expect from their future at Liverpool it's going to be really really hard yeah it's going to be hard I had to stop myself from watching an 8 minute I think it's 8 minute and 30 second compilation maybe at Liverpool of Firmino scores against Arsenal <laughs> I had to stop myself I was like it's 8 minutes long <laughs> I, like are, are, we, are we all okay <laughs> Mustafi are we, are we okay like what's going on because I know you're, you're, you're in the majority of that, of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's practically you and everyone else like what's going on I was like I'm not going to do it to myself I know I know what he did in real time but that's what eight minutes for eight minutes ah oh, eight minutes but yeah he, he's definitely going to be uh, missed and, and like you said it's going to be very hard anyone to replace him and it's going to be very important that the player that either the player they buy in or the players that are there understanding what's required from them um I guess the last thing to say, just on that Brazilian note, that first things first, Martinelli, six, if he can get six more goals in the last eight games this season, he will be the first, the youngest ever Arsenal player to hit 20 goals in Premier League history. He's six more goals in eight games. He's on 14 goals. Yep. That's crazy when you think about it. And Saka can't be, I think Saka's on 11 or 12. So they, they, either one of them could do it. Wow. So, so, so when, when Lucas Nell comes at Arsenal, how many goals did he get in that double season? The fall, not the double the following season. I know he got 19. Was it 19? I think it might be 19. That's why I say if he gets 20. Yeah. He has to hit 20 to beat the record. He's either 19 or 18 he got. But yeah. 10 games to go. Crazy. You can do it. And, and his favourite team is West Ham as well. He's got a good record against West Ham and loves scoring against them. So got West <laughs> hopefully Ham next. Sunday, do your job. <laughs> and then, and then what, what, what's been a really interesting stat for Arsenal as well, I think just like to round off on this Arsenal talk, is that since January 2022, when Arsenal scored first, out of 30 games played, we have won 28 
and drawn two. And the two was the Liverpool game the other day. Yeah, we and don't. And don't forget. Okay. Yeah, we don't lose and we score first. And that, that is an astounding statistic. The numbers, they love, they look good. And I think, to me, that statistic is a testament to the work Arteta's done in the team. Mm. That when we go ahead, we just stay ahead. Stay, yeah. What, what we really struggled with last season is when we went behind, it's not being able to come back. Yeah. This year we fixed that. So we've definitely, we've definitely leveled up as a team and I'm very happy with the progress we're making. But, um, you know, today is not all about Arsenal and Liverpool. But I think on the whole, it was a very even game. I think people say Liverpool, Liverpool are having a bad inconsistent season. But when you actually delve a bit deeper into the numbers, there are still they're still strong at home. And mm. I know we were hoping to win at Anfield and we wanted to break that duck, but it was never. It's not an easy place to go to, and we tried. And, and but for you know better defensive play, and even in the end, you know Martinelli could have had a you know that pass when he had a chance to break the three v one with Trossard and Saka, and a better pass would have been in for a 1v1, maybe. But at the same time, Kanate should have scored Sounds at the back post. Scores. And, you know, before I leave Arsenal, let's talk about Aaron Ramsdale. Wow. Just like, what, what a, what a season. The fact that, you know, Arsenal fans were slated us for paying £35 million pounds to, to sign a quote-unquote relegation goalkeeper, um, you know, for oh, a quote-unquote waste of money from Bournemouth, a player that had been relegated three two years in a row. Yeah, Sheffield and then... And then Bournemouth. No, but yeah, Sheffield. Oh, yeah, Sheffield. yeah, but then yeah, yeah, he's just come in and proved them wrong, and he's proved us all wrong, and he's just continuing to show week in week out just how good he is. And we we knew with Ramsdale from last year that when he's not kept busy, he can get distracted. Mm. But this season, I think he's really improved that being ready for when moments come. Because come next year and seasons going forward, he's not going to face 10, 15 shots in a game. He might only face five. Because mm. I'm thinking about the progression of Arsenal and we get the defenses and we keep adding more players to the group and mm. we kind of upgrade Partey and then we upgrade holding and you know then we bring in someone to challenge, you know, um Saliba. You think about the squad growth, right? Mm. It's, it's gonna be less times for him to be making certain saves, right? Mm-hmm. So he has to be ready. But for you, Matthew, how impressive you've been with him just in general and especially in the game against Liverpool? Always like a good goalkeeper, you know, obviously playing myself and coming off of like, you know, having great goalkeepers in the past. Like, and he's just like, I swear when he was uh, Bournemouth, wasn't he their player of the year? Because yeah. it wasn't so much it was his fault, it was but for it both was the for, both, for both of them. So if, if, you see what happens when a difference, just how much confidence they have when they have a much better defence in front of them. Because, you know, it's the Sheffield defence and the Bournemouth defence clearly weren't that good. They got relegated back to back. So it shows you it wasn't really his fault, but him stepping into that, you know, that... Um, hotspot in Arsenal where, you know, kind of forced him to kind of get better. You've clearly seen just how much, and you know what I like about him? He loves the banter. When they, he gives, when he gives it, when they give it to him, he gives it back. He loves it. He's well addressed with the Premier League. You know, he's, he's, his confidence has grown. I mean, that was a fantastic save from, was it Salah? Because he doesn't know where it's going, but he has to react so quick because the ball was, it wasn't so much the speed, it was the whip. Yep. And he just gets that really strong glove. And, and he, it had deflection as well. And, and it was deflected. So just lightning reactions. He's, he's been, uh, you know, he's been, a, he's a good buy for you. You know, clearly, you know, they're looking at some, you know, we look at one, you don't see the other. So no, I mean, it's been really, really, um, really impressed like with his, um, with his progress, and he's going to be having a great time in the Champions League next year. Absolutely brilliant time. So, no, you know, credit where credit is due. He's been a great, great, great asset to the club. No, I've definitely been very happy with him, and it's been a great testament to us. And we'll just see how the season ends. Obviously, Man City are pushing very hard. They had a great win against Bayern Munich yesterday. They made Bayern Munich look average. Silly. 
And I, I've not seen Bayern Munich play that poorly this season. And obviously, some people have been like, well, if Nagel when we were still here, he wouldn't have lost. Yes, he would have. He would have got slapped up more. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they're just doing what they do in the league. The Brock Lesnar football is continuing to push on and get close to making new records. But I'm kind of a bit tired of Haaland right now. Boy, the kid. Give him player of the year and just be done with it. Um, <laughs> But let's, let's head over to the Blues. We've gone from North London, which was uh, very red, very white, via Liverpool. Now we're back at um, Stamford Bridge. Uh, new manager, Frank is back. Same old crap. <laughs> like, what's your... How, how are we feeling Lampard back part two? Because obviously last podcast, we talked about the rumours about it and you kind of outlined what a Chelsea manager is. And I've got to give it credit to the people that commented. Thank you guys for letting us know your thoughts on, on that video. And those who've seen the video out all over socials. But what's very telling, one person's comment, they said, that sounds like Tuchel. And he's gone now. But um, Lampard's is back. How, what are your thoughts, first of all, of his return? And how did you find his first match back in charge? It's like Potter never left. It's like Potter never left. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Whatever happens between now and the end of the season is not going to be his fault because this is what he is working with. So it shows you that, it, you know, it, the problems that we have in this club are just so, like, just so, so deep. Luckily, on the Saturday, I was at a beautiful, beautiful wedding. So it didn't dampen my spirits at all. I also drank a lot of alcohol too and realised the next day just how bad it was. And then I saw the goal. And then I saw the goal. First of all, cracking goal. Yeah. Cracking goal. Mm. But in that time, it came, it deflected off to bounce and then get scored. I could have gone back to work and it'd be summer term. There was so... <laughs> How is the ball in the air for so long and nobody goes and no one get there? And who who's the defender running up to him? Cucurella. Cuc La Cucurella, as I call him. How are oh my it just didn't need it was a great goal. And sometimes you have to stand there and watch and say it's a great goal. It didn't need to happen. We were hopeless in that game. I thought Villa was bad. This is just well, this is up there with the top 10 worst performances of the year. It, we, were, we were hopeless. Just Kai Herbert's doing his best, which is diddly nothing. Even Thingy had a bad game. Sterling didn't have a great game. No one had a great game, maybe bar from, I don't know, Fafana. I know it's default to go for the likes of James and Chilwell, but that's because they're the only players that have tried to be doing anything. And, you know, we have a, a even, I know, I think, if he started the Bamiyang, which, I you know, he probably forgot how to play football. He hasn't played for so I know, he came off the bench. He came off the bench, probably hasn't, yeah, probably forgotten how to play football. Why we didn't start him and put Havertz on the bench? Because Havertz is on the bench tonight, and Havertz plays better when he comes from the bench. He, um, that's how he scored his last goal against, was, I think it might have been Leicester or Leeds or something. I don't know, but it's just, I feel, I mean, he's not, he's not, I feel for him this time because, of how he got let go last time and he's coming and it seems as if it's anything it's gotten worse he can't it's proven that he can't handle a big squad with big personalities and arguably this team he's coming into now has way bigger personalities because you've got new guys coming in with all these promises and those players want to meet those promises and be like well hang on you said that we're going to get this 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 and this eventually but you're bringing in a guy that you know lost the championship playoff final you're bringing in a guy got got sat with better players in ninth position and he getting bringing in a guy that sacked, got sacked from Everton who left him in relegation. So was there like what's the what what's the thinking behind you know 
bringing in, bringing him in to you know further and look, that's look at his legacy with the club. It's you're telling me this is not going to damage his legacy even more. Our high, our, our our top scorer of all time, who was you know the one of the Koreans for winning all the silver where we did over those years, and you're going to tarnish his legacy because you couldn't figure it out in the first place. It's almost as if I actually feel sorry for him because he's down. I mean, and we're playing as we speak right now against Real Madrid. Good knows. I mean, you probably might need a rugby goal instead of a football goal at this rate. Like, I just don't. It's all very disheartening at the moment. We're still not on 40 points. We're still not even on blooming 40 points. And it's kind of mid-April, technically. So I'm just, there's no harmony. There's no communication. There's no kind of cohesion. We don't start, we, we, I mean, you don't even know what a striker looks like. Our top scorer has seven goals. Our top scorer has seven goals. And Martinelli has double that by himself. So, yeah, I'm, I have, I literally show little care to any game that comes up because either I'm busy or there's Formula One. That's literally my livelihood right now. I am watching this game tonight because I'm paying my TV to watch it. So I best believe I can get the best out of it. Well, it's currently nil nil, so you're doing okay. Oh, for now. But it's not long gone in the game, so it's early days, but we'll see. We'll see, um, man. It's just, it's just a disaster at the moment. But for you, Craig, because I mean, the, the interesting news that came out as well this weekend is that apparently... Um, the recommendation to bring Lampard back came from James Corden, of all people, to Todd Bowley. Now, I don't know why Todd Bowley's taking football advice from James Corden. Say what now? Yeah, James Corden recommended Frank Lampard back to Chelsea to Todd Bowley. Excuse me. So, Craig, whilst Matthew processes that absolutely ridiculous news, um, and actually maybe it's like a testament to the circus that is Stamford Bridge right now, uh, how do you think things will go for them now to kind of round out this season and what do they need to do in the summer? Well, they need, they need to get that 40 point mark so the, the out of the relegation worry. They need one point to get 40 points. Once they get that one point, they can start building for next season. Obviously, they're going to have a new manager in. Um, yeah, Marcelo Gallardo came out this week and said that he's interested in the job. I'm still stuck on James Corden, to be honest. And Marcelo Gallardo, he's a River Plate manager. Very successful. Very good. In mm. fact, when um, when a lot of... When Man United were looking for a new manager, before Ten Hag got confirmed, that was a name that I thought they should have gone for. Mm. Uh, and I think if they had gone for him, I'd have been very worried. So if you do get him, I will be very concerned because it will put you back in the conversation again. Because right mm. now... Is he, We're is he, in the room and you're outside. Is he, is, he, is, he in, is he in South America or is he in Europe? South American manager. Okay. Very, very successful. He's won them the couple of stories, a couple of seasons. On is he like Bielsa? Like a bit like Bielsa? Or? Uh, he's like the... Yes and no. But... Yes and no. He's a modern manager. Okay. He plays very good football. So he's okay. kind of like from the school of thought of your... Um, Guardiola is another. Yeah, a little bit. And Klopp's and and that. Klopp and then Nagelsmann, the two yeah. called Nateta. So like a modern modern coach. Mm. Very good ideas. I, I, Very good football. Mm. I feel Chelsea need a manager like that now because they've been, the last couple of managers they've had, or two choices a good manager for them, but I feel like, I think they want the, like, um, Potter was a job too early for him. He should have gone to, a, he should have gone to like a Newcastle, for example then go to a Chelsea if he'd done well at Newcastle after. He, he, he kind of skipped the line a bit. And I feel that 
in the summer, you've got a massive clear-up to do in the summer, Chelsea. You've got a massive clear-up to do. You've got so many players and you're going to have to get rid of players to financial fair play. is going to come into it next season. And you've got a lot of unhappy players, so you need to get rid of players and rebuild. Ziyech yeah. is unhappy. Aubameyang's unhappy. Mm-hmm. Mason Mark's not happy. not got his new contract. You got a lot. You got you got Jao Felix. You might want to go back to Atletico, or you might keep I think him. He, yeah, he, he said he wants for, for reasons I don't know why. Apparently, wants to stay. But he's one of our better players. Yeah, he's one of a few got, players that actually make something. You got to make a decision on Raheem Sterling. Do you keep him or do you sell him after one season? Hasn't really. He's flat to deceive. You know, I, I, I rate him as a player, but he hasn't really done it for Chelsea this season. To be fair, it's a shame, really, because you thought that after what he did at Man City. He would come to Chelsea and the slot in straight away, hit the ground I th- running. I, I think there's another gear to kick for him. I, I think, think so too, I think he's got something to show when he's there. I, I, I think, think under think the right manager, the I think top. under the right manager, he could he could definitely do it. He, he, he don't he don't turn he don't turn into a bad player overnight like that. No. Class players, like, as I say, class is permanent. Form is temporary, class is permanent. So he's still got a he's lot. still got he's a lot. Still, and he's not even in his. He's not even in his thirty. He's like twenty eight, twenty eight now. So I think he's yeah, still got. He's a, a big man. Yeah. Just a quick note on Marcelo Gallardo, who I think the Sun was saying yesterday that he is. I don't read the Sun. It popped up on my phone. Don't. In judgment. Okay. <laughs> um, it, that he's it's close, and Enzo Fernandez is the one who's back in the deal. He has won the South American Coach of the the year three years in a row, 2018, 2019, 2020. Wow. He's also won Copa Libertadores two times, 2015, 2018. Copa Sudamericana, 2014. It's like the Super Cup. The Super Cup Argentina, 2017, 2019. The Cup, the Argentinian Cup, the Copa Argentina, in the 2015-16 season. 2016-17 season and 2018-19 season. And there's more trophies. Wow. Trofeo de Campeón, the Liga La Profesional. This is all for River Plate, by the way. Wow. 2021. The Recopa Sudamericana, 2015, 2016, 2019. The Serga Bank Championship, 2015. And the Argentine League, 2021. Wow. He sounds like a drill sergeant, very, man. Very, very he, accomplished. You know who when Mourinho was winning all them trophies really? like um, Porto winning he mentality and then he said I'm the special one Imagine someone to get some discipline that, that you don't do that that's what, that's, that's what Chelsea and he's, and he's a good discipline. age he's, he's 47 Argentinian so he's yeah, modernish, but he's so he's like that, he's that, that's, what, that's what I think Chelsea lack discipline they've got too many ego players that's all that no. on, big, on big wages sitting there stinking up the joint that needs to be slapped a pig or two and but but yeah. having said that, if he was to come and flop, it would be such a disappointment. But his Only, CV yeah. is... And River Plate hadn't won anything in a long time. He's considered their most successful manager. Wow. Damn. And when he came, they hadn't won anything in a long time. And he won in their but first Boca, trophy. Boca Juniors are winning everything, isn't it? They were yeah. just dominating everything. About them, yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's fair play. So that, I can't believe James... Co- I mean, I've all, I mean we don't, this, is why, this is why he can't come back. This is why we don't want him here. Nonsense <laughs> like this. Stick to West Ham, man. Stick to, you got bigger problems than me, funny enough. Is James Corden a Chelsea fan? Oh, what's them? <laughs> he got problems. He cares to sabotage. He cares to sabotage Chelsea. I'm gonna sabotage. Chelsea. My team is doing bad. Let me sabotage Chelsea so they can get relegated. You're doing That's bad. Of, You're coming my... with me. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe with that shiny stadium and with all them big contracts, I won't. I, I got you. Got bigger problems, my friend. Maybe. Oh man. Oh god. But I like mean, like this Galado guy. If it's yeah. if it's true. Galado would be a good shout. A really I good can shout. see him being like, we need a bit of a drill. So we need a, like a world's strictest parent, send them to like the deepest parts of South America. You know, mm. just just straight up regiment. Yeah. First of all, these players get slapped. You need we, that. We, need we, that. We, 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 do, we do indeed. I mean, there was a lot of uh, another set of far <sighs> mess ups, but I'm going to save that conversation for next week's podcast because I really want to just take a seat. We need to take a seat. 
And we need to actually make, we're going to make a proposal to the Premier League how to fix VAR. And we're going to give them some suggestions from us. Um, but I guess the final thing to kind of talk about, Palace, big win against Massive Leeds. Win. Massive. All one away from home. 5-1. Went five, five, sorry. Sorry. 5-1 <laughs> away from home. Leeds went 1-0 up. And then uh, Palace sort of turned things around. First thing I want to ask you, Craig, is do you think Palace would have won that game under Vieira? The game going the same way, they go 1-0 down. Do you think they'll beat Leeds under Vieira? Well, the form that that, 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 that feels like how under Vieira towards the end, no. Yeah. And then for you, Matthew, like how impressed have you been with Hodgson coming back in? Like I, I was very skeptical. I thought it was unimaginative as well. But it just seems like a stroke of genius now on reflection. Two games in and they just look a whole different team. Whole different. So I said that that's that experience. And he's travelled in that kind of way. I know with England it was very kind of uninspired with how it ended with the you know the Euros and everything. But at that club level, especially like Fulham and things like that, it, this is the level he's at. He's very, very good. And that experience is absolutely shining through. I mean, he's been in the game for like how long? So, you know, credit where credit is due. I mean, it almost shows as if, you know, maybe they didn't have a problem scoring. Maybe they just need to have a different approach. Because some of the players that are there now are different to the players that he left. So maybe with different players, he's maybe able to find a different angle. So we're not entirely relying on Zaha because Zaha's always on the cast to leave to go somewhere. So, no, credit where credit is due. It seems to be a bit of a good, good... Good move by them. Like I don't think they're gonna get relegated. They're like what six points behind us. Yeah. So I'm only saying that because they are six points behind us currently. So what you're saying is they have a chance of leapfrogging you. I didn't say that. I just said they were six <laughs> points. I just said they were six points behind He's us. Cooking. Next I week. Next said, few games are very interesting. If we get overtaken by Roy Hodgson, I will quit football. So. Don't, don't, don't. Uh, uh, listen, first and first things first, we need you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but secondly, don't hold your don't hold yourself to that because your next game is Brighton at home. Their next game is Southampton away. Yeah. And then after that Arsenal. You have they have Everton at home. Who do you have? I think we have Arsenal. And we only have Arsenal coming up at some point. Uh you, you, got, you have got some the second you lost on the second of May. have Brentford. And then the third game, to really tie all these things together, they have West Ham at home and you have Arsenal away. away. So you see all, those, we see all those games we had over the last couple of months, those were the winnable games. Yeah. And I think we won two of them. So I, I want you to just retract that statement right now that you will quit football if, if Palace leave for you. Because they could, based on those fixtures, they could. It's wouldn't, not inconceivable. Wouldn't it be funny, right, if we just went on a tear and beat all the game, win all our games towards the end of the season? Not against us, though. I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, beat You can City. beat the other team, but don't beat us. We need to win the title, mate. Yeah. You, you know, you have our permission to beat everyone else. Well, Palace, we'll see. Spending all that money at Roy Hodgson passes you. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's been crazy. I think, I think this has been yeah. a, a good, a great season of football, really. When you think about it from the World Cup, in Qatar with all the controversy but on the pitch it was beautiful you know the Women's World Cup coming up um, it's going to be very exciting to see as well we've had the great Euros as well from the summer the league in general has been very good obviously we saw the National League Vanarama Wrexham Notts County a game for the ages Ben Foster back at his first ever club saves a last minute penalty to give him a 3-2 win to put him in the driving seat for all like of promotion it's just there's just so many scripts Chiba, Ak- Chiba Akpom Arsenal Academy graduate, 
one of the top scorers in the championship now at Middlesbrough has finally found his feet, found the right club, although he did really well in Greece on loan a few times, did really well there. But finally finding his feet and I think finally now living up to the promise that yeah, for me Arsenal, personally, yeah. he's one of my he's still one of my favourite Arsenal strikers that didn't quite make it at Arsenal. Him, Benekafobe, I'll always have those two because I just And Jay Emmanuel Thomas as well. He was a good player at yeah, Arsenal. But he Academy. wasn't a striker, he just didn't have position. But he he's a whole different different category of, of a of a talent. He was Jay Emmanuel Thomas was just a generational talent, but it just didn't work out because we didn't know where to play him. Because he was tall and technical. So he he was like yeah, generational talent, just out of out of time. And all these players you mentioned came through the same same first time as Jack Walshaw. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? That's crazy, yeah. man. All the same generation, but hey, we're you know glad, happy for Chiba, and hopefully he will find Middlesbrough to the Premier League, and then they can have a season because I don't want him to leave to another team. I want him to have a year there in the Prem, and we see how it goes. But that's us signing out. Um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely cover some more games and teams in the championship in the future um, so if you have any requests do let us know and what do you think is going to happen do you think Lampard will surprise us all and bring the hoops back to North, to, to West London hope so God no no <laughs> no uh, will Chelsea finish behind Palace and lastly but not least who will survive relegation next episode we're going to do a deep dive on the bottom six eight ten there's a lot of teams you know, maybe bottom, Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, but I think the bottom eight, bottom eight teams, just to kind of see where it might go. Because I, I personally think it will go down to the last game of the season, and it might be six teams out of three. Three out of six teams might go down. But we'll see. That's us signing up. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Peace. Peace.